بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين اللهم صل على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا ومولانا محمد وبارك وسلم أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله we finished chapter three in terms of ibadat meaning chapter thirteen starting chapter fourteen regarding Hajj. So he says Al Aslu Rabir Fil Hajj. The fourth principle in terms of worship regarding Hajj. Qala Allah Ta'ala Wallahi Ala Nasi Hajjul Bayti Manistata Ilehi Sabila. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran it is incumbent upon people for the sake of Allah to do Hajj of the Bayt or the house of Allah which is a Kaaba. Those who have the capability of doing so. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it compulsory for us. If we have the means to perform Hajj, then it becomes Fadl. So there are certain prerequisites uh, for Hajj becoming compulsory. But if those are met, then it becomes Fadl upon us to do Hajj. Among them being Baligh, becoming of age, having enough money to go there. Uh, sustenance, coming back um, and, and having a healthy body These are all things that are conditions This is more in, in that regard But of course it's not going to go in detail In, in terms of the fiqh of it وَقَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ مَنْ مَاتَ وَلَمْ يَحُجَّ فَلْيَمُوتْ إِنْشَاءَ يَهُودِيًّا وَإِنْشَاءَ نَصْرَانِيًّ There's one warning from Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is reported to have said a person who dies and has not performed hajj, of course among those who hajj is compulsory on, a person who dies and did not do hajj, then that person can die as a Jew or a Christian and it doesn't really matter anymore. It's, it's a very severe warning, meaning you did not live the life of a Muslim if you didn't do hajj. And another hadith, وَقَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, بُنِيَ الْإِسْلَامُ عَلَىٰ خَمْسِ إلى آخر In one hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentions that Islam is based off of five pillars. Among them is Hajj. So we know the five pillars of Islam. One of them is Hajj. Which means it's very, very important in our deen. Then Imam Al-Ghazali, Rahimahullah, he says, وَلِلْحَجِّ أَعْمَالٌ ظَاهِرَةٌ ذَكَرْنَاهَا فِي كِتَابِ الْإِحْيَا there are some physical actions regarding Hajj which we have mentioned in our book Ihyaudun Muddin. So Imam Al-Ghazali says that you know there's there's many different aspects of Hajj. He he's mentioned them in another book. So he says I'm not going to mention it here. He says now what I will do is tell you about very intricate etiquettes that we should have. And some hidden aspects that many people do not know regarding how to perform Hajj. So it's going to tell us about some etiquettes and then some things that we should keep in mind when performing Hajj, just like how he has done with the other aspects of ibadah. Amal adab fasabaa. He says there are seven etiquettes that we should have when going for Hajj. Al awwalu. أن يرتاد للطريق رفيقا صالحا ونفقة طيبة حلالا. The first etiquette that we should observe when going for Hajj, and this also applies to Umrah, 
is that we have good friends with us on our journey, companions that will go with us. Nowadays, you know, it's not as important as it was before to have people with you because before you would travel either by foot or boat. <coughs> it was really important that you have a nice group. Uh, they would have to be very strong as well just in case, you know, enemies or um, bandits, etc. But he says you should have a pious friend with you. At least have someone, even if it is your spouse. But he's saying a rafiqan salihan, a very pious companion. And the second thing is nafaqa tayyiba halala, pure sustenance. So the money that you use to go for hajj should be pure and the food that you take with you. So back then they would take food with them. Uh, for us in today's time, the food that we purchase should be halal and the money through which we purchase it should be halal. Our hajj would be, you know, bereft of any benefit if we're going with, you know, riba money or haram money, of course. فَزَّادُ الْحَلَالُ يُنَوِّرُ الْقَلْبُ وَرَافِقُ الصَّالِحُ يُذَكِّرُ الْخَيْرُ وَيَزْجُرُ عَنِ الشَّرْحِ So he says, why is this the first etiquette? He says, having good sustenance, meaning halal food, will illuminate the heart. And this is the character trait of good food. If we have halal food, this makes the heart very pure. And when we have doubtful food or haram food, it will also cast doubts in our heart. This is one of the secrets that many people are unaware of or they're negligent of. The food that we eat has a very strong impact upon our spirituality. So he says here, halal, tayyib, good food, pure food, will enlighten the heart. And having a good companion, salih, someone pious, he will remind you to do good and prevent you from doing evil. So if you have a pious friend with you, if you're engaged in sin, they'll remind you, hey, we're going for Hajj right now. Maybe we shouldn't discuss these issues or uh, this is not why we came out. And they will speak about good things, remind you to do good stuff, maybe wake you up for tahajjud, uh, you know, remind you to do all the ibadat. And, you know, maybe if you forgot something in your Hajj, they'll remind you. So this is really beneficial. He says this is the first etiquette. A pious friend. And halal food. Number two, athani, an yukhliya yadahu an mali tijara. You should avoid tijara and business when you're going for Hajj. Now this sounds obvious, but Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Quran has given permission uh, when a person goes for Hajj if they don't have enough money to go back home or they only have enough money to get there, they don't have enough money there. Permission has been granted for them to engage in business So they can take stuff with them Sometimes you go for Hajj or Umrah You'll see people like on the side of the road Selling little trinkets and stuff like that So it is permissible But Imam Ghazali is saying the best situation Is that you don't engage in that So it's better you save up money from beforehand So you don't have to do any type of business there And for us if we're doing online business To avoid that completely When we're doing Umrah or Hajj why? He says, if you, the reason why you want to stay away from business is so that your thoughts do not get scattered. So you're there for ibadah, and he's going to go into some deep aspects of the ibadah itself. If you start engaging in business, that's you know a facet of worldly life that you're introducing in your whole umrah and hajj trip. You don't want to do that. 
Your mind is going to go towards business. It's going to go towards profit. It's not something that you want to do when you're out for ibadah. It says your thoughts is going to be split up. And your intention is not going to remain pure for the ziyarah. Ziyarah of meaning you're going to visit the house of Allah. You're also going to go visit Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in Medina. So your intention is not going to remain pure. If you have in the back of your mind that this is a good opportunity to earn money, that's a good opportunity, let me set up some you know, booth over here. It's not going to be beneficial for us and our niyyah is going to be tainted. So he says that's the second etiquette out of seven. الثالث أن يواسع في طريقه الطعام ويطيب الكلام مع الرفقاء والمكارين. The third etiquette is that when you're going for Hajj. Now, in his time, about a thousand years ago, like we mentioned, you either go on camel, horseback, walking, ship. It takes a while, a few months. Even if you're nearby, it will take at least a week. So you go with a group of people and you have a great opportunity to earn a lot of rewards while going for Hajj. So he says, when going, give people food often. So if you have the chance, you can buy food for people. You can help people out, maybe those who are with you. You say, lunch is on me, dinner's on me, whenever possible. You don't want to overdo it and then run out of funds. And then you're going to have to ask them. And he says, to speak very nicely with your associates, as well as the people who, he says, mukarin, these are people who rent out maybe animals and camels. When you're there, you can rent out stuff. So for us, that would be taxi drivers, people working at the store, people outside the haram. You have to be very kind to them. When you're in Umrah and Hajj, you want to speak as nice as possible. There's going to be a lot of situations where people are going to get on your nerves. They're going to upset you. Maybe even your agent, you know, things aren't going well, you call them up, you're upset. Or just the people around you, they're, they're, you can tell they're taking advantage of you. Whatever situation there is, we have to try our best not to speak negatively because this is one of the adab and etiquettes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to observe, to be very kind and have patience. The whole journey of hajj, the overarching theme is sabr and patience. So that's number three, to give people food and to speak well and be kind to everyone. Number four, أَنْ يَتْرُكَ الرَّفَثَ وَالْجِدَالِ وَالتَّحَدُّثَ بِالْفُضُولِ وَأُمُورِ الدُّنْيَا to avoid rafath. Rafath is lewd speech, incorrect speech, inappropriate speech. So avoiding inappropriate speech. Even with one's spouse, one is not allowed to engage in inappropriate speech. That which would have been permissible at home. So you can't even engage in that kind of talk. Jidal is argumentation. So we have to completely avoid argumentation when we're over there. So it's very difficult, like I mentioned. People are going to get on your nerves, but you're not allowed to get angry with them. Similar to fasting as well. In fasting, we're not allowed to fight. So we can't argue, argue with other people. And you can't, he says, do not engage in talking about random, non-beneficial things of dunya. So like a TV show or reminiscing about our past that, you know, random things that we did, sports, etc. We can't talk about any of these things. He says your tongue should after the necessities. So necessities is like 
asking of, you know, what do I need to do today? Where can I go for food or where can I buy clothing? Those are necessities. After your necessities are met, your tongue should only be engaged in dhikr. In fikr, meaning thinking about what to do, uh, you know, necessary things, asking about that. And recitation of Qur'an. So it's, very, it's not easy, you know, especially if we're not used to it in our everyday lives. Uh, staying away from unnecessary speech and just doing the dhikr and recitation. This is kind of what we do during Ramadan as well. We try to avoid all extra speech and limit ourselves to the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says the entire hajj journey should be like that. The tongue should avoid argumentation, should avoid incorrect and uh, inappropriate speech, and it should be engaged in the remembrance and recitation of Qur'an. So that's number four. Al-Khamis, number five, out of seven. An yarkaba zamilatan dun al-mahmil. So he says, ride, so back then, well, I'll give you the, the modern day uh, equivalent. He says, ride a zamila. A zamila is a camel or an animal that was used to carry um, like goods. Not really something that people ride. Mostly it carries goods. And he says a, a mahmil is a better animal. So he says, ride a lower class animal instead of a high class animal. So in our times that would be, don't go in a very fashionable way. When you go for hajj, try to be as humble as possible. So if you have the opportunity of going first class versus you know, a coach, then downgrade. So he's saying actually downgrade when you go. So even if you're extremely wealthy, you can do first class, you can have it. He says the etiquette is actually to downgrade. And that's what he says here. Instead of riding a high class camel, ride a lower one. So these are etiquettes that we don't really find too often anymore. But this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in the Quran as well. A person's physical condition should be disheveled. Right? So disheveled hair, kind of dusty. Ash'atha aghbara means hair is all over the place and dusty. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes it. Right? Normally Allah doesn't like that. If, if someone comes in the masjid all dusty and, you know, clothes all over the place, while they have the capability of not being like that, that's not preferable. We should try to wear, Allah says, Every time you perform salah, wear the best of your clothing. But in hajj, it's the opposite. Allah likes it when the person is in a very ruffled state because it shows desperation, it shows slavery. You should not purify yourself. And that's why, for those who have gone for Umrah and Hajj, when you don the ihram, you cannot apply fragrance, you cannot um, uh, apply oils, you can't do, there's so many different things you can't do. Beautification is not allowed uh, when you don the ihram. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us all to resemble each other and be slaves. And so it's so beautiful because you can have a king or a prime minister or a president, and then you can have an actual beggar, you won't be able to tell the difference in Hajj. Except maybe one is going to be fat and the other one is going to be skinny. Right? <laughs> other than that, you won't be able to tell. He says you should be in the physical appearance of a beggar when you go for Umrah and Hajj. 
So you're not written in the record of being a uh, proud and arrogant person. So when we go for Hajj, we should be extremely humble. It's it's humiliating. It brings you down. Right? And even the, the shoes in Hajj, because you cannot wear actual shoes because it'll cover a certain bone. There's this, uh, you have your ankles on the side. There's also a bone in the middle of the foot that has to remain uncovered. So many shoes do not fit the requirements. So you have to wear those, um, you know, like bathroom slippers type of flip-flops. Exactly. I was saying bathroom slippers, but flip-flops. Exactly. You have to wear flip-flops. And you're walking on rocks. You're walking all over the place. There's no cushion in that. So most of us who are accustomed to a very comfortable life, we find it quite difficult. Especially when you're doing Safa Marwa and then you don't have any kind of shoes on. After a while, the, the, the heels will crack because you're walking on tiles and... and that's tiles. Imagine back in, in the day when they would have like rocks. So for us, it becomes extremely difficult. Just climbing Jabal nur right? If you go visit Jabal nur a very healthy person who like exercise, runs, they, they will become sore climbing up Jabal nur And when you think about Khadija, she was in her 60s and she would walk up there, bring food to Nabi Sallallahu How healthy they were. And now what they, I think it was the Turkish, uh, you know, regime when, when they uh, carved into the stone steps and there's rest stops with that you get really sore uh, climbing so there's, there's steps carved into Jabal nur but uh, back then there was no steps it was just mountain and she would walk up that mountain to Nabi Sallallahu in her 60s I'm saying you know I was I was like 20 something and I used to exercise back then and I was winded going up there and we actually had to rest we are sweating and so you think about how did Khadija do this? She would do it often. Nabi Sallallahu would run out of food. She would go and bring him food up there, up and down. So it shows you the strength of, of the, the people back then. They really were strong. Anyway, to, to adopt a very humble appearance. Number six, and inshallah we'll finish at number seven, and then next time we'll talk about the secret aspects of Hajj. So number six, Come off of the animals sometimes. So, of course, they're riding animals at that period of time. Come off of the animals sometimes. To show kindness to your animal. So having in mind that this is an animal, it's a, it's a creature. I need to give it some rest sometimes. So let me walk and lead it by its reins. And then when necessary, you climb back on the animal and ride. So, you know, we, we won't really have, you don't show kindness to a car, maybe like, or, you know, a plane. So you don't have this situation. But always keep in mind, for instance, if you're going with your spouse and your children, have them in mind. Understand that you can walk a little bit faster and more than they can. So take breaks often. And, you know, you're as strong as your weakest link, as they always say. So according to when the children get tired, you stop. So always having others in mind. Being aware of them. He says here, get off the animal here and there because the person that's renting out their animal to you, they, they care about their animal. So they'll feel good if you don't always ride and abuse the animal. It's like you rent out your car. You're always worried, is this person going to just drive the car like a maniac or be cognizant that it's someone else's car? Usually they don't care. When you get it back, it's all damaged. So he's saying you shouldn't be like that. And that, 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 that's also another lesson for us. That if we rent out cars, 
you have to be cognizant that this is someone else's car and treat it as you would treat your own car. Right? So as a Muslim, you can't just rent out a car and start doing donuts and stuff. It's not going to be correct. He says this will also allow you to move around and stretch inshallah so then it will be beneficial. You shouldn't put weight on that animal more than it can handle. Be as kind as you can. So there's a lot of etiquettes when you study the chapter of Hajj, especially in the fiqh books. There's like a lot of Masail talking about how to treat the animals. So, you know, Islam does care about uh, animal rights. You'll find it scattered. There's not a specific chapter, but you will find it scattered throughout the books of fiqh, how to treat animals. Sometimes they say that if um, an animal is a, a milk-producing animal, so those animals, they get uh, extremely, um, what word should I use, frustrated when they're filled with milk. And so they need to be milked. So... And, but the thing is you can't drink the milk from it Because this is an animal to be slaughtered for hajj if, the, if it was a slaughtered animal So there are certain things that you can do And treat it nicely Also the, the matters of slaughter You're not allowed to slaughter an animal Let another animal see that animal being slaughtered So there's certain etiquettes that we have with animals as well So that's number six Treating the animal nicely And the final one uh, Number seven As-sabi' An yakuna tayyiban nafsi Bima anfaqa min nafaqa you should be extremely happy and good-hearted regarding what you have to spend and regarding the difficulties and losses that you'll experience on the journey. So you are going to have to spend a lot of money and especially in today's time, if you're just going, it's at least going to be 10 grand, like absolute minimum, sometimes 20, 30, depending on how many people. So... You should not have the thought in the back of your mind that I, I feel really bad. I have to do this. I wish I didn't have to go for Hajj. We should eliminate those kind of thoughts. And we should think that Alhamdulillah, I'm getting tawfiq to use money for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is not lost money. It's going to be on the scales of my good deeds on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Every single cent is going to be preserved. So we're actually lucky that Allah has given us an opportunity where now we can spend 20, 30 grand and that is preserved on my scales on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. Otherwise, we would never spend that much money. How often do we spend that much money in sadaqah, in zakah? We don't get that opportunity. Now you're getting thousands on your account. So he says, don't be upset about those. Be tayyib nafs Be happy inside that you're spending. As well as the difficulties you're going through. Every single difficulty, remind yourself, inshallah, this will be on my scales. This, you know, it's physical difficulty, mental difficulty. In every aspect, it's, hajj is not an easy journey. As many of you know. And so you should be as happy as you can. Force yourself to be happy, he's saying. You should consider all of these things as the signs that Allah is accepting your hajj. So these are signs that Allah is going to accept me for my hajj, that I'm going through difficulties, yet He's given me tawfiq to be happy about it, and expect a reward for it. So alhamdulillah, believers... Any kind of difficulty, there's this very famous hadith that Nabi Sallallahu says is very strange and very amazing is the situation of a Muslim. Everything that a Muslim goes through is khayr for them. If they go through any difficulty, they're going to have sabr. Then Allah is going to reward them. That's good for them. Difficulties are good. And if they go through good times, then they're going to show thanks to Allah, gratitude. And that's good for them. So when you go through these difficulties in hajj, 
you expect the reward, you'll get it inshallah. So these are the etiquettes. So we'll just go over them again and then we'll conclude for tonight. So he began by talking about the necessity of Hajj. He's going to talk about the seven etiquettes, that's what we discussed. And then next time he's going to talk about the asrar or the hidden aspects that we should consider when doing the Hajj. So these seven etiquettes that we should have when doing Hajj is number one, you should choose a good companion who is going to remind you to do good deeds, who is going to keep you away from evil, and you should have halal food. And for us, when we're even on the journey, look for the, the most tayyib, halal, nutritious food. Number two, you should not engage in business. Even though it is permissible, you should avoid it so that your mind is not busy thinking about dunya. Number three, you should spend on others, especially your companions, feed them, and speak nicely to your companions as well as the people that you'll meet there. Number four, avoid inappropriate lewd talk as well as argumentation and avoid speaking about dunya. Number five, be as humble as you can in your physical appearance. So instead of riding a very high quality animal or uh, in our situation, maybe going there in a first class ticket, downgrade a little bit, inshallah. If you're used to first class, go to business. If you're used to business, go down to the absolute bear. If you're used to Delta, do spirit. <laughs> so go as, as low as you can for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And be physically, uh, like show Allah physically that you are a slave. And, and have the slave mindset. That I am absolutely nothing and my physical appearance resembles that. Number six, treat the animals well. Come off of them sometimes do those things so in our situation be cognizant of those around you and treat them well and number seven be happy about the difficulties you're undergoing whether they're financial or they're physical mental spiritual be happy about them because this is a sign that Allah is accepting the Hajj so we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us tawfiq to go continuously for Hajj and Umrah and allow us to have these etiquettes in mind and give us tawfiq to have a Hajj mabrur and Umrah mabrur وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى على خير خلقه محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته